0: If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. My name is Anna. I am thrilled to have you here this week. To all of my friends out there who tune in and listen to this and download the episodes every single week, you guys are amazing. You guys have become friends of mine. You guys have become like internet family. I adore each and every one of you. Like I've said to those of you who I'm on Facebook with and talking to, I have been underwater in writing, which has been so good and so healing and so therapeutic. But I've missed connecting with you guys as much as I'm used to connecting. And usually that is in our Facebook group. And I haven't sent this invitation out for a while, but I want to send it out in this episode. If you are looking for an online community to link arms with, to share ideas with, I invite you to join our community. Go to my website, just JesusFollower.com backslash podcast podcast group, and you can opt in there. We would love to have you in that group. And like I said, I've been a little quiet lately, but I'm starting to come out of my writing phase and jumping back into the outside world again. There's been so much chatter in news lately and in political issues lately, and it has been a tense climate, especially if you are online at all and have friends on both sides of the fence like I do. It has been a whirlwind. With the abortion laws that passed in New York, and with other issues going on, it has just been a hot button week. And I wanted to stray off the—I um, almost said straight and narrow, which would be very ironic for this podcast. But I want to stray off the path of what I usually do every week, and and I want to touch on some of these issues. These issues have ignited something in me that I have felt for so many years and didn't have words or language. To talk about until now. So I want to dedicate this episode to the tense political climate that we are in right now, all of these issues and the arguing and all of the back and forth, and just drop in and give a little bit of Jesus sense to the whole mixed bag and a little bit of Anna sense mixed in there too. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And it's one that I truly do invite your feedback. I want to hear your thoughts on this stuff because I I get that this this can be touchy stuff. So I welcome your thoughts, even if they're different than mine. I love you guys and I love where you all are in life. I love that this tribe that we have formed here is such a unique tribe and I want you all to know how much I cherish each and every one of you. Thank you. Especially thank you to my Patreon supporters who support this podcast monthly you guys are a gift thank you thank you thank you and if you are interested in supporting the show you can find out more about how to do that on my website just at jesusfollower.com and click on the button patreon all that being said let's jump into this episode here we go there. Welcome back to the show. So I got to tell you, this year feels like it is running away from me. I don't know if you guys feel that way or not, but here it is, the beginning of February, and I am just like, what? How, How are we here? But here we are. And there has been so much in the news lately already at the first of this year, and I have been bombarded Bombarded people on my social media and like regular media on TV, on the radio, all of it. And I just, as much as we dive deep here, I want to take a turn and dive deep on some social issues happening right now that I literally cannot stop thinking about. I can't stop pondering and like overthinking and processing. And I'm like, you know, what a better place to process that than on this show. So, it's my show, right? We can do, we can change it up. We can do whatever. And so I'm curious too, as this episode unfolds, and I am like eager to hear your feedback on this topic, because this has been a very quiet, quiet topic. And that is one of the reasons why I want to talk about it, which is, you know, that's what this show is about. I like to talk about things other people are not. So I have recently heard A lot of stuff in the media about the whole uproar over the abortion law that passed in New York, all the pro life people being so up in arms and the pro choice people singing hooray. I'm not going to dive into that topic. That is just a yucky, yucky pit of hot water I'm not getting myself into. But on the back end of that, this other story started making its way around and it grabbed me. And I don't know about you, but There are are some stories of people's lives that just grab me, and this is one that grabbed me this week. So I'm just going to read to you guys this article that was done in the New York Times, and you're probably going to recognize the story as soon as I start reading. So this is about Jesse Smollett, and I apologize if you listen to this episode, Jesse, if I said your last name wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, He's one of the stars of the show Empire. And he's really cute, I might add, by the way. But so here's the article, and this was published January 29th. So it says, Jesse Smollett, one of the stars of the Fox television show Empire, was attacked in Chicago early Tuesday morning by two people who yelled racial and homophobic slurs and wrapped a rope around his neck, according to the police, who said they were investigating the incident as a possible hate crime. Smollett, who is black and publicly came out as gay in 2015, was walking on a downtown street when two people approached him and yelled the slurs, according to a statement from the Chicago Police Department. The attackers then began hitting Mm -hmm. Smollett in the face and poured an unknown chemical substance on him. One of the attackers also wrapped a rope around Smollett's neck before the duo fled. Given the severity of the allegations... We are taking this investigation very seriously and treating it as a possible hate crime, the police statement said. The Chicago Sun-Times, citing a police spokesman, said that Smollett went to an apartment after the attack and his manager called the police. When the officers arrived, quote, a thin light rope was still around Smollett's neck. Officers suggested Smollett go to the hospital for lacerations on his face and neck his manager took him there and he was later released. In a follow-up interview later in the morning, the Sun-Times reported, Smollett told the police the attackers yelled, quote, This is MAGA country, end quote, a reference to President Trump's campaign slogan. The newspaper also reported that the FBI was looking into a letter sent to Fox offices in Chicago last week that contained threatening language towards Smollett and a white powdery substance. On Tuesday night, the police said in a statement that the area where Smollett said the attack occurred had a very high density of city and private surveillance cameras. Detectives had viewed hundreds of hours of video, but unfortunately, thus far, we have not found any helpful information on a suspect or a suspect's vehicle to be able to share, the statement said. The police were widening their search to cameras from surrounding areas. End of article. Okay. So first of all, if you are listening to this podcast and you are not white and you are not straight, let me just say, I am so sorry Articles like this make me feel like, have we not learned anything from our history's past? Have we as white, quote unquote, Christian, quote unquote, straight America, which is, pardon my um, take on it, but seems to be what make America great again and seems to be all about. You think about the Civil War and I know it's like, whoa, you know, you're going all the way. No, hear me out on this. During the Civil War, The white majority, the white powerful, the white religious, the white Christian, they were the ones promoting slavery. They were the ones anti-mixing of races. They were the ones sending out pamphlets, for God's sakes, on the like front lines, quoting verses, the battle is the Lord's, as they're encouraging them to murder their brothers from the north, fighting for the freedom of slaves. Have we not learned? I read this story and it almost seems fictional to me. And I am not a woman of color. I understand I have lived in white privilege my entire life. I get that. I am learning. I am learning what it is to be outside in the marginalized spaces. And I seriously know that I have a long way to go. But when I read stories like this, I scratch my head and I go, Are you kidding me? That can't be real and it is I have to ask the question have we not thought oh maybe this is not as uncommon as we think it is what leads me to that statement before you guys start attacking me is the silence around this topic now i will admit to you i have a very a very mixed feed in my facebook An Instagram following. I have straight white people I follow. I have black gay people I follow. I have transgender people I follow. I have Hispanics that I follow. I have quite the broad spectrum. But I got to tell you, on this article, on this big news story, I have heard very little chatter. And the little bit that I have heard has been peeking out from the marginalized spaces. I have yet to hear in my circle, and I'm seeing this in, as I'm asking friends of mine, are you hearing about this story? Or are your friends talking about this story? It has been so quiet. And, and here's my, here's my position. This issue, this becomes a two-sided issue for me because not only is this man gay, but this man is black. And I know that so many people especially in christian circles want to say we are so past any racial issues as they stand in their white churches on sunday mornings with their white male pastor who's probably straight and the white family that he's probably taking care of and the white people in leadership who are all most likely white men supporting him yes we have so overcome the racial barriers haven't we i'm sorry people look at who's on top and I am not in the margins. I, like I said, I am straight from the white bread America. And even I can see when I look in the Christian realm who our top leaders are. They're white straight guys. So forgive me for pointing out the obvious that we have yet to learn We have a long ways to go, and when it comes to our specific heritage in the Christian faith of the damage we personally have done as a Christian people historically to the black community, we should be the first people on the front lines spreading this story around going, are you kidding me? What can we do to stop this? What can we do to end this? You are don't see anything on your surveillance cameras, Mr. Police Department? Well, guess what? The church down the street's going to go to a manhunt for you because we oppose racism that much. We will not let this stand in our neighborhood. Where are the voices from the Christian group that supposedly says they have, well, if they like to admit their racial past. I've I've learned recently that a lot of a lot of people are either unaware of how tied the Christian movement and the Christian faith was to racism during the times of the Civil War. Either they're unaware of that or they sincerely believe in their white churches that they've moved past it. And so if you and I'm sorry if I'm coming across offensive, that is not my heart. But if that is your take on it and your stance on it, and you are in an all-white church with an all-white leadership staff that are all straight white guys, just maybe pause and ask yourself the question, maybe if we had moved past this, our leadership and our congregations would look a bit different. Maybe the people I have lunch with after church on Sunday would look a little bit less like me. Maybe the neighborhoods that I go and hang out in would not look like the one I'm in that's like everybody looks just like me. I had a wonderful guest on the show a few weeks ago. Rachel Parsons, and she is just brilliant in bridging gaps in unfamiliar spaces and and bridging not only religious gaps, but racial gaps and cultural gaps. Just a brilliant, brilliant mind. And if you didn't um, hear that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But I see this issue and my heart just breaks because on one hand, I'm hearing so much noise about pro-life, 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 anti-abortion, anti-abortion. I mean, they've got their signs, they've got their Facebook sharing things that they send, and they have their images and their quotes and their Bible verses, and it's just on and on and on and on. And it's like, if you don't know where they stand, you will after scrolling social media or drive by somewhere where there's a protest and you'll see all the signs, right? Okay. Just take a gander here with me. How different Could our communities look if the church took the lead, not in being pro-life just before a baby is born, but actually pro-people as in after the baby is born? What if we were so anti the things Jesus was anti, such as judging people different than you, such as excluding people by their race? Such as believing you are superior because of your race or your gender. Such as finding the outsiders in the community and fighting to give them equality. Jesus was loud about these issues. And I won't argue he was loud about other issues too, but his life, his daily life, this is what he was about. And I cannot understand how a church who claims to follow Jesus Christ is not holding picket signs against what happened to this poor man? That they aren't holding signs against racism. What if these people who are so used to their pro-life rallies could go and rally every time someone was racially attacked? What if every time someone was attacked for being a different skin color, a different gender, identifying with a different orientation? What if it became more about defending humans and saying, guess what? God loves us all. We might not all agree, but we all have rights to human decency and respect. What would Jesus do to like go back to my teenage years with my WWJD bracelet? What would Jesus do as this man was getting a noose wrapped around his neck and bleach poured on his skin? What would Jesus have done? I think this is why Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, because in that scenario, the Christian would walk on by. In the story of the Good Samaritan, much like this story, the Christian majority would walk by silently, look the other way. But what Jesus was trying to teach us was that If we are to follow his example, if we are to follow the example of divine love, we don't get the option of looking the other way. When our neighbor is treated this way, we should speak up and we should be the first to speak up. I don't know how many churches, white majority churches, have spoken out against what happened to him. But my guess is, if you were to compare that to how many of them have spoken out against the abortion law passed in New York, probably slim to none. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. But from what I can tell, probably not even a fair <laughs> a fair comparison. We can do better than this. And this is not me complaining, although I have felt like a complainer today because I, I'm so disappointed in this. But this is me saying, hey, if you haven't paused, let's pause. If you haven't had a moment where you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is awful, pause and have that moment. If you take the time to share your political beliefs on social media, in your front yard with your yard sign, and by the way, no judging, you do you, maybe, maybe choose to take a stand against racism. Maybe be the first white guy or white girl in your neighborhood to stand up against that kind of behavior. And I'm not saying everybody in everyone's neighborhood is putting nooses around people's necks, but I'm saying be the first one to change the conversation, to make these types of topics more normalized. The racism in this country is, it's, it's like a cancer that has not been cured. And the church, I feel such, and this is why I started this episode saying, I'm sorry, because I feel that this that the church I have been a part of my entire life is responsible for so much damage. And I will say it again, I am so sorry. I see the same damage happening again with the LGBTQ community, and it breaks my heart that we still have not learned this lesson. I am sorry. I believe we can do better. I've been thinking this week about writing about it, and it seems like every time I write about it, I get angry and sad, and it my words don't come out right. So eventually, hopefully, something will come out of me on paper about this. But for now, I'm just talking into a microphone, and I am talking to you, my tribe, my community, my people, who I love dearly and who I've connected with, and I'm just asking you, take a step. And, and and stand with me to own our part in this debacle, our part in this yucky pattern that our country and our religion seems to have. This unspoken, silent thing. It's a thing. And it's a thing we can't afford to keep ignoring anymore. I am so honored to be raising kids in this next generation because this next generation is so cool. Like, so cool. And... I love that we talk about this kind of stuff. And I, and I feel like it's, it's a responsibility of mine to train my kids to see with eyes that, that don't look at color and that don't look at orientation, that don't look at gender, but eyes that see people. <clears throat> because when you see people, you're going to see wrongdoings towards people. But when you see color, you're just going to see obvious brackets where everybody's supposed to fit. When you see gender, you're going to see obvious slots where everyone's supposed to go. When you see orientation, you're going to see obvious stereotypes where everyone's supposed to be cataloged and labeled. But when you are able to have eyes like God, the scripture says, sees into the heart. I think we underestimate the power of just that, that to follow the life of Jesus, which was to follow the life of God. This divine, loving being. We have to have eyes that see past the color, the gender, the orientation, the job title, the status. We have to adapt eyes that see into human beings. When you start seeing people as human beings, it's a natural response to defend them. It's a natural response to speak up for them. It's a natural response to treat them like you would treat yourself, to fight for them to have the same rights that you have, to fight for them to have the same seat at the table that you are privileged to have, to fight for them to have the same places in leadership at your church that you could have if you wanted to have that role, to fight for them to have families like you have, to fight for them to be able to be in neighborhoods like yours. You see, when you see people You start acting like Jesus. And then you start understanding why Jesus wasn't so liked by the religious majority. Because Jesus upset their compartments royally on a daily basis. Majorities in power like compartments. It keeps people under control. And you see, Jesus wasn't about control. Jesus wasn't about fear. Jesus wasn't about people management and good marketing and making money and a big booming business. Jesus never stepped foot in that space, which was why his behavior made the people in charge so upset, so upset that they crucified him. So to say that we are followers of Jesus means that we have, we have to like, this is not a, an option. Like, this is the bare bones. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you can't do that if you're seeing them with labels and compartments and categories and gender roles and orientations and skin color and culture backgrounds. Like, you cannot love your neighbor as yourself when you put all, that, all those stickers on them. But when you peel back those layers... Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to love them like you do yourself. It's easier to look in their eyes and see a reflection that looks familiar. It's easy then to not see this story about a gay black man, but see it as a man that could have been you, that could have been your dad, could have been your brother, could have been your son. And then you start to get outraged at the wrongness of this. And then you start to get mad at the people who believe they have a right to behave this way in this land that we love, this land of the free. You get mad that this stuff goes untalked about by people who say they follow a man named Jesus whose whole mission was to bring love to this world in a way that meant I will lay myself down to sacrifice myself for you. Because I'm going to love you like I would want you to love me. When we begin to take responsibility for our role in this mess, you do get angry. You do feel the injustice. But I can guarantee you, as uncomfortable as that feels, it is a smidge, a smidge, if even that, a speck of what you're black gay neighbor feels. Your Latino neighbor feels. Your transgender neighbor feels. We have earned the place of feeling uncomfortable about this. We have earned the place of feeling a little bit uneasy. I think we can handle that. As much as I am pained by this story in the news and as much as I hate what happened. I got to tell you, I'm so thankful he's okay. I'm so thankful that he was able to be released from the hospital. I don't even want to imagine the kind of trauma that he will probably face from that point forward. I don't know what it's like to have racial slurs said at me, a noose put around my neck, knowing that my ancestors went through that very same thing, feeling chemicals burn my body, and being attacked for the people that I choose to love. And the people that I naturally love. I, I cannot fathom the kind of trauma that that would instill in a human being. And so I imagine although he's alive and although he's recovering, the mental recovery has got to be a long road. I hope it's not. But trying to put myself in his shoes, I can only imagine the weight that that journey must feel like. And that is why I say the little bit of discomfort that you might have piping up in a conversation like this, making others aware of things like this, standing up where you can, trying to make a difference where you can, and things like this. So, what if it makes us a little uncomfortable? At least we're not having to have traumatic nightmares of a noose being around our neck and bleach poured on our skin, right? To all of my brothers and sisters out there, and I say this to all of you, white, black, Latino, Asian, straight, gay, transgender, I'm probably leaving people out, guys. I'm so sorry if I am. Whoever you are, I want you to know that you are a human being worthy of God's love. You are a human being worthy of being stood up for and protected and defended. You are a human being who's God's child who God's other children, your sisters and brothers, should be defending you when you need it most. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of protection. You are worthy of being stood up for and defended. You're worthy of being advocated for. You're worthy of being seen as equal and good. You are worthy of all the rights of your neighbors. But most importantly, you're worthy of kindness. You're worthy of respect even with those whom you may disagree i pray which is something that you do not hear me say much on this show because i'm working through my own my own damage and my own spiritual deconstruction and all the things but i will close this saying the only thing i know to say which is i pray over all of you as i do over myself and my home and my family that we may be ambassadors of Christ-like love, the Jesus kind of love, that loved neighbors regardless of their labels, but that we choose to love them like we do ourselves. And we ask and pray for humility in our hearts, if we struggle with this, to be able to transition and move into that space where we can advocate for born lives just as much as people advocate for unborn lives. I pray that that humble spirit that was in Jesus would rest on each of us. Give us words to speak. Give us hands to heal. Give us feet to move. And give us the courage to be a voice of change, a voice that advocates for the voiceless. Amen. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.